And now, a Breakthrough Basketball original podcast, The Jim Huber Show. After basketball, his dream is to become a rodeo clown. Jim Huber. Hey, everybody. Oh, it's hard work being this good. I was like, ow. (laughs) (laughs) He sounded like a a big choo-choo train. We join the Jim Huber Show, already in progress. I did that with not having any type of medication. Um, you got your preppy look this morning, Jim, on the show. You're preppy, you got your glasses on, which means you're at least, what, 15 points IQ higher with those glasses on? Coach Shore told me KT is a very, very sharp guy. You look like Stallone when he wears the glasses. Yeah. You know, he just Thank looks you. smarter. Am I as big as Stallone, by the way, too? You know, I've been coming in for six years, and six years you've been sticking it to me. I want to know how i Yo, mate, I want to chase no chicken, right? Yeah, you gotta hit that chicken rock. Yeah, Run that chicken rock. Look at all these scrubs on the stage. Adrian! Adrian! I haven't seen a more disappointing lineup since the last Lakers game. Right now, Kevin Let's Thomas see. is on the line, and he's wondering what he's gotten himself so, into yeah. here. And uh, Kevin Thomas. Yeah, KT. State Fair Community College. Yeah, but before that, Three Rivers played there. You played for a legend. Yes, I did. You know, June Bess, uh, learned a lot from him. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that, I, you know, we still talk. I still talk to a lot of my teammates that play with me. And, you know, uh, since I've been in coaching now, this is, you know, my 10th year here at State Fair. And I was a GA for a couple of years. And I've got to meet a lot of former players at Gene that are, you know, coaches and have had success in their own right at different places. And, you know, when you're on the road and, you know, you start sharing, you know, war stories from back playing for Gene, you know, guys that played for him back in the 70s. 70s and guys that play for him, you know, back in the 90s, even to now to the 2000s, you know, the stories are very eerily similar. Like they're all the same, you know, just the different things he would say and the motivational techniques he used. I mean, he hasn't changed much in 40 some odd years of coaching. Because he's won how many games? Like, um, he's over 1,200 now. He's uh, he's been doing it a long time, and you know, he's continued. You know, he's on this, saw him this past weekend out in uh, Carbondale coaching, and I mean, he's still getting after the officials. I mean, he hasn't lost a beat. Give some examples of what what he's about. Um, you know, he's all about defense, and I think with him, you know, one thing that's kind of been a trademark of his teams uh, is their signature defense. And um, you know, he, you know, one thing I took from him is, you know, keep it simple. Um, you know, he's, you know, his offense hasn't changed much over the years. He's tried to keep it really simple. And I think he's done that to where he, so he can focus on defense more and practice, and and really get to where his teams can really guard and stop people. And um, you know, one thing we t- we preach to our guys all the time is like, you know, I don't care how many points you you put on the board, you know. If you can't get stops at the end of ball games, and not tough enough to be able to to hunker down and get a stop man to man, and be able to box out and rebound, and finish the possession off, you got no shot at at winning big or, or or moving on and dancing later on in the season. So I think that's something that we we always talk about. And then you know, one thing that he always used all the time was buying in, like buy in, getting guys to buy into your system, whatever your system is as a coach. I don't care if you're coaching at a junior high level or you're coaching the NBA. You got to get a, a collection of guys are going to buy into to what you're trying to accomplish as a team. And um, if you can get guys to buy in and, and really believe, then, you know, you got a chance. Okay, let, let's dive deeper into that because I know with individuals when they hear this, like, okay, keep it simple. 
and they're asking right now probably how do I keep it simple you know he, he basically he ran he runs this four out one in and he still runs to this day he has a couple quick hitters that he'll put in depending on the personnel from year to year but you know he teaches his guys you know he teaches his post players I think he does a really good job of teaching them how to post and how to seal and he uses a lot of false action on the opposite side you know guys coming off double staggers and not necessarily to get a guy shot it's more to get the defense to shift and to kind of relax in the post and try to get the ball inside and I think he really tries to build his team from the inside out you know uh, offensively you know, I think he really focuses on trying to, to get his, get post players that can catch and score at their backs to the basket and then you know hopefully having some guards around him that can shoot it and, and that's kind of been his recipe you know for the last you know even since I've been in the league as a coach that's what he seems like he's tried to do is try to have two or three bigs that they can throw it into and then have some guards that can uh, they can shoot it and kind of stretch the floor a little bit so he doesn't he doesn't run a ton of plays he keeps nope. it simple on kind of maybe a free like a motion type, and does that allow him to spend more time on skill work, kind of in practice to kind of develop them uh, to be successful? Like you said, whether it's a post player working on moves back of the basket or a perimeter player being able to catch and shoot it or put on the floor and attack, and he's able to spend more time in those areas. He is, you know. I think that's one thing. I, I feel like I was developed as a player, not only in toughness, but as a just individual skill set. Individuals, you know, he he believes in having well-rounded players. So I can remember as a player, you know, going in practice, and you know, we'd work on uh, post moves. You know, I, I I ran the point. You know, I ran the point, played the two, even played a little bit of three for him. And you know, I learned I learned how to shoot a jump hook. And I never, you know, never really was taught that in high school. Because unfortunately, I played at a big high school. And I got to you know basically play a guard position at six three, but you know some of these smaller towns or small areas, you know if you're at a school and you're six three, they stick you in a post. But so when I got to when I got to Three Rivers, you know I you know I didn't have any post moves, I didn't know how to seal, and I think that's something that I, I learned from them was how to play in the post, how to play with my back to the basket. Um, and I think he tries to teach all of his players, you know, how to do, how to play multiple positions, and how to do a, a lot of different skill sets. So let's go to the defensive end, keeping it simple. If you had to tell somebody, Coach Bass, this is like three to four simple principles that he reinforces into his teams that help them have success. What are they? I would say uh, he he had a term he called line of deployment that still st- sticks with me to today. Where if the ball's above the free throw line, you know you're on the high side uh, half around. The ball's below the free throw line, you're on the low side. Uh, uh, on the low side, and then uh, he always talked about guarding in the tube, which the tube was, you know, if you had an imaginary line that ran from uh, from uh, basically the free throw line all the way down the end of the court on both sides, that's the tube. And he was like, when you're in the tube, you got to be able to keep a man in front of you, you got to be able to guard him and not give up straight line penetration. Then uh, he was a, a big stickler on um, on for not letting guys penetrate the middle. You know, if you got beat off the bounce, you need to be beat off the bounce. Uh, you know, sideline, uh, baseline. If you're going to get beat off the bounce, you talked about buying in. Okay, in today's culture, buying in I think is a challenge than what maybe it used to be back in the day that you were playing. So, what did he do to get kids to buy in? And now, as you as a coach, what you learned from. How have you adapted it for State Fair to get kids to buy in today? 
You know, I think it's a, it's a process. You know, me and me and Short talk about this all the time. About uh, you know, so, there are some kids that you know, it's 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 a let that's a huge letdown. You know, we've had players you know that have been recruited Division One. They have you know aspirations of playing on TV, and then all of a sudden that dream comes to an end. And you know, there's some guys that you know have some resiliency and they say, oh, you know what, I had to go JUCO and make the best of it. I'm going to work and see how much better I can get. You got some kids that never recover from that. You know, it's like you're. Like your mom, you know, when a, when a mom finds out her son's a criminal, he's going to jail. You know, it's a, it's 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 almost like a, a funeral in itself. And I think for for guys, I think it's the same thing. You know, you find out you're going to JUCO, you've been working towards this dream since you were, you know, six seven years old, and it doesn't happen for you. And it's like now, what? Now I have to go JUCO. You know, now you have to go there. And some kids come to this level when they think, well, I'm just going to be here for two years, and then it's going to happen for me. And they don't work, they don't get any better. And then some kids embrace the the JUCO. Grind and they get better and they improve and they actually end up improving their stock. You know, Kevin Punter was a kid. You know, who you know a lot of people are familiar with now because he went on to Tennessee and had great success there. But you know, to hear stories, you know, he did a bunch of stories for USA Today and different people and. He talked about it. You know, he was a kid that wanted to go to Division One, didn't qualify to high school, so he goes to prep school for a year, and he still doesn't get the score he needs. And he said at that point, it was like the lowest point. He was like, I, I don't know if I want to play basketball anymore. If I have to go juco, I think I'm just going to be done. Right. And he kind of pulled it together. You know, he ended up signing with us and came to State Fair. And, you know, rather than just, you know, kind of sitting back and just saying, oh, i got to be here, I mean, kid worked his tail off, you know, coming out of prep school, he had low major offers like High Point, some places like that. I'm sure he goes up to Iona over the summer, and I can remember that coach just saying, I, I respect those guys a lot, and they do a great job. I think they do a great job evaluating talent, but they even missed the boat. They, they didn't think he was good enough to play at Iona. So he comes back here, and, you know, I, I made a mistake as well. You know, I told him he wasn't visit Missouri State, and, you know, great you know great situation, good league, good coaches. I was like, hey, that's probably a good fit for you. That's probably what level you need to go at to where you can be successful and, and uh, you know, get to play and have an impact. You know, if you try to go at a higher level, you know, I don't know. I think you're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. And his dad his dad told me, he was like, well, he's worked really hard. We're going to play out the year and see what happens. You know, he ends up having an All-American type of year. Um, and it wasn't an accident. You know, he worked all summer and worked while he was here. And, you know, next you know he has, you know, Pitt, you know, Tennessee, Mizzou, uh, SMU, and all these high major programs that were, were after him. And, you know, he goes to Tennessee and has a median impact and has a outstanding senior year. Where's he at now, Greece? or? Yeah, he's in Greece right now playing. And I think you've had, a, is it like maybe four or five All-Americans? And I think they've been guards, haven't they? They have, you know, you had, uh, you know, when I first got here as an assistant, we had Sanjay Watts, who was more of a forward, who ended up going to Central Missouri. But uh, since then, you know, you've had Kenny Cherry, Joe Thomason, um, Ronnie Russo, and uh, Kevin Punter, who've all been, you know, all been guards. Tell me this: what are the things that you focus on with them, and you reinforce that they need to work on a daily basis for them to achieve that All-American success? I think I'm a firm believer in, uh, you know, we have a Dr. Dish who just bought a new one. Uh, our old one finally went kaput after about eight years, and we had to buy a new one this year. And I'm a firm believer in that and just, you know, getting up shots. You know, back in the day, you know, shoot, probably back when you guys played, you had to have somebody rebound for you. And to get 300 to 400 shots up would take hours. Now, you know, there's no excuse. You know, I tell our guys, you can get, you spend 30 minutes a day on the, on the gun, and you'll see a difference in, in your shooting percentage. You'll see a difference in, uh, in just in your, your, your confidence level. And you can get 300 shots up in 30, 45 minutes, no question. 
you can spend that much time on the day. I mean, some of you guys spend, you know, four or five hours on social media every day. You can't spend, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, you know, on your craft. You know, there's plenty of time in the day to do that. You know, and I'm a big thing of uh, competing. You know, I think that's when guys really make a lot of gains. You know, we try to put our guys in competitive situations and practice every single day and try to get them to just battle and compete. Sometimes it's not even about necessarily the scores. Just try to get them to get them to fight and compete and, and scrap and crawl every day. Because I think if you get guys that will play hard, you know, I think that's a, I think that's a big skill. And I think that'll help you win a lot of games and help you maybe beat some people that are a little bit more talented if you'll just play hard. Coach, I know it's it's fresh and it might be hard to talk about, but also on that team with Kevin Punter was a kid named Marcus Mondain. He was murdered. It was recent in Kansas yeah. City. He was the glue of that team. You've described him. What was it, like a ex-girlfriend type thing? He was at her house and the guy shows up and... Yeah, from what his mom told me, um, basically this this girl that he'd been dating, you know, they've known each other since they were little kids, and you know they've been friends for for years, and you know, I guess recently this summer it became romantic, and they started dating, and this summer while he was home from school, he they spent pretty much every day with each other, or you know, he was staying at their house, they were you know spending a lot of time, and then school started back up, he had one more semester to finish. Uh, his degree, he went back to St. Mary's, and I guess he came home for the weekend, and you know, went over to our house, and um, the baby's dad came over in the, in the morning, and you know, shot him dead right there in the, in the bed while he was laying next to uh, the baby's dad and one-year-old daughter. Talk about what he brought, and 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 what players can learn from Marcus. How he handled his business, he kind of reminded me of me. You know, he was under recruited coming out of high school. Um, you know, he walked on here as a walk on. You know, he uh, just practiced. You know, played. You know, was a, was a great practice player. You know, didn't uh, didn't play very much in games, but he was the first guy off the bench congratulating guys when they come in. You know, he would compete, get elbowed in the mouth in practice, and just keep going, just keep fighting. And uh, I know, remember going into his sophomore year, he got a job up at uh, at Pizza Hut up in Kansas City, trying to make some money to help pay for his pay for his school for the following year. And we had a kid that we thought we were going to sign who bailed out last minute. So I call him up. This is like in August, and tell him, "Man, we're going to give you a full ride scholarship. Get to keep all your your pay money." He was so excited and and appreciative, and his mom was appreciative. And you do have favorite kids. I mean, kids that do certain things a certain way. You enjoy coaching them, and it sounds like he's one of those individuals. And the things I hear you say is grateful. You know, great attitude. Gave tremendous effort. Didn't change after he got his scholarship. Yeah, I mean, not entitled. What What are the things you feel like as a coach? That you see in kids, you're like, I love coaching that kid. I think the guys that are just you know, have good attitudes, guys that uh, you know, they want to get better, they want to be coached. You know, I think that's the biggest thing with this generation now is a lot of kids that think they know. You know they think they know. You know, they want to. They want to go. They want to. They want to be coached to their standards. And you know, I mean, I tell them all the time. You know, Michael Jordan. You know, paid thousands of dollars to have somebody basically work them out and train them and correct them. And if Michael Jordan is doing it. What, what makes you think that you're any better? You know, yeah, I mean, you have to open yourself up to be coached. And I think some guys, you know, they think they, they know better than coaches that have been doing it and have seen it for years and years and years. Who's the best Juco player in America this year, the buzz? Who's, I remember when I was young, it was like people were talking about Larry Johnson in Texas, and, <laughs> and you'd hear about Armand Gilliam. I'll say right. And you'd hear about J.R. Ryder, Jim's teammate. Jim played with J.R. Ryder. Oh, he survived J.R. Ryder. Who's the guy this year that they're buzzing about? 
you know, it's it's different nowadays because those guys that you all named are, are guys that are, you know, NBA guys. And with the rise of the prep schools here in the last, you know, decade or you know, two decades now, um, you know, junior colleges have been watered down a little bit because a lot of those high major guys that are, you know, top 100 kids, you know, if they don't qualify, they're going prep school or they're identified at an early age that they're struggling academically and they move them to a prep school where they can get some more help. You've got some um, kids that, on your team that are, are looking – the point guard's really good on your team. I liked him a lot. And you got some yeah. bigs that have, like, big – I mean, big, big, Jim. I mean, like, 6'10", <laughs> 250 big. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we do. You know, Willie Jimerson is, uh, you know, I think he's arguably he's got a chance to be one of the best guards in the country he's this tough. year. He, he does. He's talented. He, I think the thing that separates him from a lot of guys is just how he competes. You know, he competes at such a high level all the time. Um, he wants to win every possession. You know, he defends, he rebounds, he takes charges. You know, he's a, he's a miniature uh, Westbrook. You know, he's capable of getting triple doubles. You know, last year in our regional semifinal game, he had, I think, like 11 points, 12 rebounds, and like 11 assists. You know? He's like, 5'10", he's a leading rebounder. I mean, he's out there scrapping, man. But you you got to expect State Fair being loaded. He's got one of the best assistant coaches in America. Adam Short. I mean, what, what do you expect when you got him and KT together hey, in a combination? If, Ebony and Ivory. In full. I mean, you tell me those two guys can't get it done. I'm telling you straight out. All right. Oh, okay. KT, i got to ask you this, okay? Because you get it all the time. Our kids, you say, where do you want to go? They all say Division One. all right? Why would somebody go to junior college? Why? Why should they go to JC? I think junior college is, is for it is for most full reasons. Like my reason, I, I physically was not ready to play at the four year level. That's why I chose junior college. You know, I, I went on some visits, and you know, the reoccurring theme was he's too skinny, he's not big enough, not strong enough. We need somebody who's ready to play right now. He's he's a couple years away. And that's kind of why I went to junior college. So I kind of had a chip on my shoulder when I got there. It was like all these coaches said I wasn't good enough. So, you know, my mindset was I'm going to work and use junior college to see how, how much better I can get in two years. Um, you know, some guys come because of the, because of the academics. You know, the academically they didn't qualify, so they have to go to junior college. Um, you know, some guys have gone, like, we have a kid now that's in junior college because he, and he qualified academically, and just for whatever reason, so Division ones didn't pull the trigger on him, and I think he's physically ready to play at that level. And he kind of just kind of, you know, fell out, you know, just kind of missed. You know, some schools, are kind of, I think, kind of missed out on him, and now he's here with us. When I was in junior college back in the day, that was back in, like, 1989. I mean, some of us wild, wild west. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Um, and I know they have like the what Hard Knock You. That's a big like documentary on it's Netflix. Big, the, yeah, football? the football deal. Yeah. yeah. So now my question for you is also, co- Coach, is so a kid's looking at a junior college, and not every junior college is the right fit for an individual, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. what should a parent and a kid be asking? What type of questions? What should they be looking for to make sure that the junior college is going to be a really good fit? Well, you know, like I said, there's, you know, there's some junior colleges, you know, it comes down to uh, a monetary thing. You know, some schools have more money than others. Uh, some are able to invest more in athletics than others. And I think the biggest thing you're looking for is, you know, if you're a parent, you want to ask, you know, for the financial part, you know, do you, do, you know, and, and especially in basketball, you know, you need to ask, you know, does my son or my daughter, will she get to keep, will he or she get to keep their financial aid money, which is big because if they, are, if they do, they, that money can offset some of the costs as a parent you have to spend to help, you know, buy the toiletries and do some of the things, little things, put gas in your car and insurance and things like that. So that's a question that you need to ask, uh, you know, not all Division One junior colleges can, can uh, give out, you pay back, you know, it's up to the institution. 
that's a, a, a big question to ask. And what kind of schedule do they play? You know, do you play a national schedule or do you play, you know, do you try to play, you know, 15 JV teams? I think that's something you need to look, look at their uh, previous schedule and see who they play. You know, you want to go somewhere where you're going to get exposure and you're going to get to play against, you know, good competition. I know, that, I know there's a lot of junior college opportunities out there, and I'm not being biased partial, but if I did have a son, it, it would be like State Fair was recruiting him. I'd be comfortable sending my son to State Fair, knowing Adam, oh, and then hearing about you and the things you guys do. Because I believe in, you know, doing things a certain way, holding kids accountable, discipline. You know, kids got to do a certain certain things Share on the a ball, consistent basis to be able to play. Yeah. And I think that's just developing them for life. So I commend you guys on that, especially in a you know sometimes a challenging situations you can kind of run into with some kids that uh, kind of come I, your KT, way. KT, I'm hearing Jim talk between the lines here, and I'm, I'm seeing J.R. Ryder in his face. <laughs> oh, Give us a J.R. Ryder story when you play. Where were you, at Allen County? All right, we're at Allen County. When J.R. did not practice, Coach Crane, I mean, we it was like we knew there was Cottonwood, and that was the road outside the school, the gymnasium. So it was like, I don't know, a quarter of a mile or whatever, whatever it was. So when Jr. would act like his knee was hurting him, which it wasn't, but he was acting like it was. So he had like partly ice or whatever there hanging out, and we knew Coach Coach Crane was gonna like just go crazy on us. So we'd do like three man weed drills, and if the ball like hit the floor and it wasn't perfect, whatever, it'd be like Cottonwood. So we'd have to run out the Cottonwood, everybody. I mean, we storm out the doors, yeah. And then we'd have to storm all the way would back. Jr. And like sit in the Jr. just be sitting there rubbing his knee, bag. whatever. So we might do twenty of those freaking things. Yeah, I remember you know puking in trash bags. Well, you guys and then at dinner practice, Jared would be coming doing like 360 dunks, and he'd be doing all this like ESPN type. And we're look, I'm looking over, going, are you kidding me? And then another one. Well, I, I, mean, I, guys, I, I, could, I could I could do a whole episode. Did you say anything to him? Did you say, hey, Yeah, JR, I'm going to talk to the 6'6", 250-pound, 235-pound dude. And I'm a little six foot 175, 180 from Jessica. No, I wasn't going to say anything. But um, So anyway... The next, uh, then we had a practice where, like, the girls are practicing, right? And this one talking about discipline and things right. like that is, so Jr. comes out, girls are practicing, going through it, and he comes out and he's got his like practice jersey up top, got it on. He's got his jock strap on, no shorts, right? <laughs> so he comes outside the locker room, comes in the gymnasium, goes, Coach, I can't find my shorts. Where's my shorts at? Oh my god! And Coach, oh, oh Jr., go back in there, mate. And. You could go on about things that took place that happened that enabled that kid. And if he would have been disciplined, oh. he would have been held accountable at a young age. The kid would have been NBA an NBA All-Star. All I mean, fame. seriously. Yeah. He had that potential. But unfortunately, people catered to him. And they allowed him to do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. And also, too, as a team, we never achieved the potential of that team because right. there's other good players there, but it became more about him. Yeah. And you get dissension within the team. That's why I look at the San Antonio Spurs, the way Popovich and stuff like when you look at Tim Duncan, you look at Ginobili, and you look at Parker, like Duncan said, Coach, you be as hard on me. And that's why the yep. great ones are because they, the best players allow themselves to be coached. Coach, Coach KT, Coach Adam, uh, best wishes throughout the rest of the year. Um, What'd you call him, Ebony and Ivory? Yeah, Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> you guys send us out with that, KT? You guys got your arms around each other right now while we're on this and singing the song. Now, now do you guys ever butt heads, KT? Because Adam, he's strong, man. He's a strong assistant. You ever get after him? I'll tell you what, he's a good assistant. You know, he, uh, he comes up with a lot of suggestions, and sometimes I say yay, sometimes I say nay, you know, and... You know, he's, he's doing a great job. He's done a great job, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised here soon if he, you know, gets a 
had job opportunity of his own. You know, so he's doing a good job. Got one of the best ones in the country right there, and I think you're right about the head coach thing. He, he did a great job this summer. Really, really did. Kevin, thank you so much. You for your tearing time. up while you're saying that. I tear up a little bit. I, you are too. You get on me and you hey, make fun of me. I try to tell. Tear up over I there. try to tell Adam sincere thanks. Sometimes I almost tear up. Yeah, I can to tell. Him. I can tell right now. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> thanks, guys. Have a great season. All right. Thank you. Take care. God bless, guys. I wish I could live with you guys.